and Boheim, Boheim, what's his name? Boheim Woodbeam? That's not it, but um, Bokeem Woodbine. There we go. You're, cl- you're close. I was so close. <laughs> Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we're feeling it. If this is your first time joining us. Welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. All right, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime. Hold your ears, folks. Here we go. What you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat them up. Enjoy. Welcome, listeners, new and old. So happy to have you with us on Feeling It today. Every week on Feeling It, we talk about the, whatever piece of pop culture uh, is stuck in our heads, whether it's music, movies, uh, TV, whatever media landscape in betweener thing there is. Um, there's so many things that we can talk about and so much going on today that we love taking a time to stop and process it and get excited about it together. Also, we will be doing an extended talk on the newest entry into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Spider-Man Homecoming, uh, after talking about our picks for the week. But before we get into any of that, let's introduce ourselves and in honor of this week's main subject, uh, if you could be bitten by any radioactive animal to get its superpowers, uh, what would it be? Okay, before I introduce myself, can I clarify yeah. something about this question? Yeah, yep. of course. Okay, so with Spider-Man, he's written by a radioactive spider. One of the powers he gets is super strength, which isn't like yes. really a spider thing. It's more like a radioactive thing. So I think it's a spider ass- thing. There are kinds of spiders that have super strength. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> How strong are they? Spiders? They're way stronger than us. I mean... Yeah, from a ratio standpoint... There you go. Well, then never mind. I was going to say, I thought it was the radioactive part that made him strong and not the spider part. I didn't know there was a specific spider ability. So I was going to suggest that whatever powers we get are in addition to super strength. Nah, man. Okay. You got to choose wisely. Doesn't change my answer. I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social (laughs) media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. And um, mine would be a radioactive chameleon so that I could blend in to places and not be seen wow what a wallflower answer (laughs) would you really describe me as a wallflower lucas not not at all that's why i'm surprised (laughs) um i'm lucas Schreider, designer from the bay area and i would be bitten by a radioactive hawk i get super sight i'd be super fast and i could fly which helps during rush hour yeah that's okay and super strength because she's radioactive obviously Um, if I, my name is Lawson Soward. I am an art director in Nashville, Tennessee. And if I could be bitten by any radioactive animal, I think it would be a, uh, I like, I've been oscillating back and forth, but I think I'm going to land on a fox because get really good hearing, really good sense of smell, really good eyesight, ability to dig, like get in and out of hard to find places. It's basically like, you get all the benefits of something that can like get around like an opossum or a squirrel or something without having to be bitten by an opossum or a squirrel, which seems really unpleasant. <laughs> how much do you really need to be able to be good at digging? You don't I mean, know how useful it can be, Lucas, until you have that ab- ability. Who would have thought <laughs> that like webs would be super useful and look at where we are now. It's true. It's yeah, true. Lucas. They can also jump high. They can run fast. There There's so many yep. good things. Fox is a good choice. Yeah. Um, now that we've confirmed that my choice was good, uh, let's move <laughs> on to what we're feeling this week. Xander, what are you feeling this week, buddy? 
I'm feeling a Netflix original series that I binged this week. Um, Mm. It is a documentary series called Last Chance You. Now, for people who don't know me well, I'm not really a sports person, but people know... For people that know me really well, they know that while I don't watch real sports, I do love sports movies. I love, like, the, the narrative of a sports team. Um, and this show is a really interesting take on, like, narrative sports storytelling. Um, Last Chance You is about a tiny community college in East Mississippi Um located in the town of Scuba, Mississippi, that only has a population of about 700 people in it. Um, This community college is known for having one of the best football, community college football teams in the nation. Um, Part of that reason is because it's a university, well, it's a community college, where people can go to football players that... um, should be playing on a D1 level, but for some reason they are not allowed to compete at a D1 school. Usually it's because they don't have the grades to get into a D1 school or they flunked out of a D1 school. Sometimes it's because they have a criminal record or they failed a drug test. Um, So for whatever reason, even though their skill is up in that level, they have to um, go and play at this community college for a while to get their grades back up, get clean, um, and this is a community college where plenty of recruiters will still see them and they're able to show off their talent. So this is basically like prison ball. I don't know what prison ball is, but the longest yard football in prison. Yeah. The longest yard. Okay. Um, sure. So <laughs> there, well, this is a documentary, this yeah. is right? A documentary series. This is a real community okay. colleges community are the college. same as prisons. Yes. Lucas, correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So it's a real university and this TV show, six episodes long, so easy to binge, um, focuses on a select few players on the team, the team's attempt to win a national championship, and um, this team's coach that is very interesting to watch because you're never really sure if he's a hero or a villain of this story. Um, The other person that this show focuses on is... um, the most dynamic character, I believe, is um, her name is Mrs. Wagner, and she's the team's academic advisor. And her job is to pay super close attention to all of the players and their academics. And she's trying so hard to just get them to pass and be eligible and graduate. Um, and she forms really close bonds with the, with the players. Um, it's really lovely to watch. One of the reasons I love this show so much is because I feel like it shines a very truthful light on the role that aggression plays into football. Um, The way these players are coached, the way they pump up aggression in one another, and how that manifests itself out on the field, both in positive ways and very negative ways. Um, and I think it's really fascinating to look at the way that like what I would describe a very toxic masculinity can like infiltrate, um, a sports team. And there's also like really lovable people on this show too. So it's not just like, 
um, an expose. It's a real story about people that you really start to care about. Um, But I think this series does a pretty good job of not building this team up to be all heroes or all villains. You know, I think they they let people just be people. And um, I had a blast watching it. One of the reasons um, I'm really excited to talk about it with y'all this week is because season two of this show is premiering on Netflix next week on July 21st. So this is the perfect time to watch season one because as soon as you finish it, you're going to be itching for a season two and then a season two is going to be right around the corner. And Last Chance U2 is actually about a band from Scotland that has one final chance to make it on a studio tour. (laughs) All right, sorry. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Season one covered the college's 2015 football season, and season two covered their 2016 football season. So um, I would urge you not to Google this college so that you don't have anything spoiled uh, for like how their football season actually played out. Um, Watch season one, watch season two next week. Um, I had a blast with it. Cool, cool. Have you ever checked this out? I, I should have asked that, I'm sorry. No, it sounds like a real life Friday Night Lights, and I'm very into it. Yeah, like, I, I want to check this out. Seen Friday Night Lights, but people that I was watching the show with um, thought it was very similar. In fact, they were like, "Oh, look, that's their Tammy Taylor." You know, as as soon as um, certain characters came on board. So, uh, if you like Friday Night Lights, I imagine you would really like this that's show. Awesome. awesome! I'll definitely have to check it out. I also love that it's six episodes. I can totally commit to that. E- easy peasy. Fantastic! Thank you so much, Sandra. Lucas, what are you feeling this week, my friend? I also am feeling a Netflix original, whatchamacallit. Um, I'm feeling Okja. Have you guys seen Okja? I'm, I'm scared to see Okja. <laughs> I've seen the whole internet talk about Okja, but I have not seen Okja. Oh, man. Well, Okja, for those who don't know, is the first Netflix movie that I didn't understand. Oh, my gosh. Come on, bud. <laughs> It is the first Netflix movie that I didn't understand why it had to be a Netflix movie. Um, not saying that other Netflix movies haven't been good, but just the simplicity and quirkiness of those movies made it seem as if no one else wanted to like finance <laughs> movies on that scale. This movie, I think the quirk is turned up to 11. Have you guys seen um, Bong, Joon- Bong Joon-ho's movies before? He made Snowpiercer, is that correct? Snow- yeah, he did Snowpiercer, he did Mother, he did The Host, any of those. Yeah, I have seen Snowpiercer. Me too. Okay. Yes. So, you know, just like the weirdness that is that film, this is that, but on steroids. Um, So like the quirkiness, I get why studios might not, uh, might hesitate to fund something like this, but the story itself is fantastic. Like I love, love, love um, all the choices he made here. There's a lot of um, tonal shifts that he does um, where unlike Snowpiercer, where it is kind of you know the movie you signed up for pretty early on. Um, This jumps around in tone a ton, but it really fits um, the story that it's telling. So you have kind of the main character, this girl um, grew up on a farm in Korea, and she gets kind of jumped into a bunch of different cultures as she goes on her journey, and um, you feel the shift as she's living it. And it's really, really neat. It's very, very weird. I, I think it's it's Babe meets E.T. So it's very much a, a character-driven movie of her kind of protecting this um, this super pig throughout the the entire length of this movie. But it is so good. You have um, Tilda Swinton being ridiculous and just amazing. And you have Jake Gyllenhaal also being ridiculous and 
less amazing. But everybody in this film, I think, does stuff that you've never seen them do before, which is extremely impressive. So I don't want to talk too much about spoilers or anything like that, but I highly encourage everybody to watch this movie. I guess my biggest question, Lucas, is were you able to watch this movie and by the end of it still be comfortable being a meat eater? Totes, but I also have no soul, so that. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I think, yeah, one of the things that this movie is talking about is just capitalism and how it handles um, meat production and stuff like that. And I think more so I am, um, I think it, it kind of comes down harder on how, like, be careful where you get your meat and how you, how meat is produced. Um, it talks a lot. Of, I mean, you get a view of like a slaughterhouse and that kind of thing and what that looks like and just the atrocities that happen in those kinds of situations. But um, it doesn't really come down too hard on eating meat period it's not a vegetarian movie um but it does just talk about like being responsible about how meat is made okay i'm glad to hear that this is yeah. fa- i had no idea that was even going to be part of the equation this is... uh, that's that's the, that's the babe part of it <laughs> that's the babe part that makes sense yeah so it's really good though i mean i wouldn't necessarily like watch it while you're eating food but yeah um <laughs> does but it involve... I, I still wanted to eat meat afterwards so there's that. Does it involve a spider spinning a web that says some Akja? Uh, I wish. Instead, you have... I'm not going to go into it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Actually, yeah. that's Charlotte's Web anyway, so I didn't I would even say deserve somewhat. for that to be a thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. It is great to hear an endorsement from that, somebody firsthand, after seeing so much chatter about it online. Thank mm-hmm. you, Lucas. No problem. Lawson, how are you doing? Not uh-huh. how are you doing. Lawson, what are you feeling? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing great, man. Thank you for asking. I appreciate it. Just feeling, you know, I've been taking care of myself. It's been good. Good. Um, good. Really glad. <laughs> one of the ways I've been taking care of myself has been listening to the new single by Kesha called Praying. Have you guys heard this? Have I heard it? Ah, of course. I've been injecting it in my veins. Yes, it is pure sunshine, life, triumph. It's so good. So as if anyone listening to this doesn't know who Kesha is. Kesha is an amazing vocalist and pop singer and performer who, over her career, has managed to share every single appropriative issue with Coachella, but I choose to believe <laughs> that her crappy, abusive uh, ex-producer manager guy was responsible for all of that and that she is just somebody trying to fill the world with strength and good things just like her music does, and that's what I'm choosing to believe in her. And so whenever she puts out anything new or anything good happens for Kesha, I am cheering her on 110%. She is so, so good. I have such positive associations with so much of her music. Her music is completely transportive for me. Um, And it's so fun. Like, it's kind of, it's not super on brand for me, I guess, to do the disgusting thing of calling a person, especially one's self, a brand, um, to be that into uh, Kesha and this, like, particular kind of pop music. But I'm just, I'm so into it. I don't know what it is about the kind of um, Kerouacian, free-spirited, but very just uh, energetic and youthful uh, vibe that she puts out, but it just, it feels uh, very potent and authentic, even though... Uh, she's been compared to uh, acts that are, feel a lot more manufactured. I've never gotten a feel of her acts being manufactured. 
um, despite all of its, you know, all of the different producers and people that have been involved. She's just a very authentic uh, performer. She is, um, as Sandra has said, the real deal. And I just, I completely agree with that. Um, so one of the things that is most moving about this song to me is that it is not just a song of of victory of over of uh reversing the victim narrative and turning into somebody of and singing to a narrative of empowerment it's that this is a song that is huge it comes after all of the publicly uh litigated stuff about um her terrible situation with uh, her previous uh, musical business partners, and it's just amazing that she addresses it head-on. It's so powerful. It's so important. And rather than do the thing that she could do, which would be to, like, play the hits, play the stuff that she knows, um, she talks about this really important issue, and more than just talks about it, comes from an angle of forgiveness that honestly, like, makes me emotional when I listen to it. It's an incredible pop song. Her vocals are next level. The musicality in this, to me, is is beyond anything else that um, she's put out on a studio album. But the the perspective that she takes, the the idea of personal redemption, not like, not letting, the song doesn't let anybody off the hook, but it chooses painfully to see the humanity in everybody, even the people who are terrible to her, and to wish them well and wish them healing and to wish that they not just like suffer for what they do, which she has every right to do. And there's a line in this song that says, some things only God can forgive. And I'm like, yeah, sing that line. That makes that so powerful. I hear where that's coming from. But she also, in these lyrics, sings uh, a desire for this person to be reconciled with themselves and not make not fill the world with any more of this, uh, the darkness that's in him and, um, and has been in him and wants him to be kind of a restored person. And, ah, all that from Kesha. Like, this is, I hate people who write her off. I hate, I don't hate people who write her off, but I hate reading pieces about Kesha being written off as less than she is because she is an incredible, incredible artist. So, with all of that, I wanted to play a section from the song, um, and encourage everyone listening to give this entire song a listen um, and just know that it is like the best song for pretty much any activity. Like it is, this is a healing song. It's, it's a beautiful, powerful thing. I just, I can't stop listening to this song. It's so good. So I feel like I really backed off hard from Kesha when the whole everything went down with her and Dr. Luke. Um, I think mainly because Dr. Luke meant a lot to me <laughs> growing up. And just for that to happen, I really just wanted to completely back out of the whole situation. And so the, like I honestly haven't listened to Kesha at all wow, since yeah. all that went down. And... Um, 
to hear this song, like I, so I, when it came out, I listened, I listened to the whole thing and it's hard to listen to. It's amazing, but it, that is, that song is hard to listen to. It is one of the most emotional things I've heard in a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so fascinating to me too, because I, I didn't, my first knowledge of Dr. Luke, like I know he's been involved in so many different people's careers, but I was introduced to his name because of this case. And so for me, having so many positive associations with Kesha and like being so inclined to believe allegations like this when they come out because there's such a negative history of these kind of allegations not being believed, I was like, oh, I don't know who that is. And I know that I believe this woman making this claim. And so like that person must be whatever. But that's like... That's less than Kesha's doing in this song, you know? She's talking about humanity. She's talking about a whole person. And so I, like, it's so interesting to me that you, A, knew who that was and had a, that wanting to pull away. Like, what mm-hmm. What was your connection it's, to other musicians? Go ahead. Yeah, so for, so for me, like, like kind of growing up wanting to be a songwriter, like, he was the person you wanted to be. Like, mm-hmm. him and Max Martin were, like, the two people who basically owned the industry who had made it that far and who wrote every hit imaginable. And so like, those were my goals like that, that was it. And so like watching that and kind of striving toward that. And then it's like people who grew up like being a huge fan of like Kobe Bryant and then kind of watching that go down and watching kind of your heroes crumble like that. Like for, yeah. So for me that was, that was like really hard. And so I didn't like, not, not that I didn't believe her at all. I just didn't want to like hear about it or think about it or be a part of it in, in any way, shape, or form. Sure, yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah. So this this being the first time that I've reengaged with Kesha. I mean, for me, this song is healing is the perfect word, Lawson, that you used. Um, everyone that I've heard online, um, like a lot of women that have either been through sexual assault or I mean let's face it if you're a woman you've probably either been through a sexual assault or you have someone close in your life that has um and so hearing people's reaction to this song has been so wonderful for me because I feel like collectively there are so many of us that um I mean I I should speak for myself and say that I'm so incredibly proud of her I've always been proud of Kesha because she has mean, meant so much to me as an artist since her first single came out. Um, back then, it was because I think I loved her personality. I think her songwriting is so full of so much humor and wit. And um, and when I and you mentioned this Lawson that I call her the real deal. She is the real deal. She's not some starlet that got plucked out and like decided to become a pop star she has been writing songs and succeeding in this industry before she ever was a recording artist that like was before she was known as Kesha um and she continued to like write incredible pop songs for other artists while she was making her own music um she I just love everything about her persona and um, all of this stuff with Dr. Luke was so hard to watch. And to see her finally be able to come out with music again. Um, and for that first piece of music to be something that's so emotionally honest and 
like advanced for me, not advanced for Kesha, but advanced for any human being, um, is it, it's just such a joy. And, um, you know, there's a line in that song where she says to like her abuser, like you said that no one will like that. I'll never go anywhere. And the truth is that like, I'm only getting started and they'll never remember your name. And, and I am, I have a whole life ahead of me. And that line is so perfect because um, she does. I feel like she has a huge career still ahead of her. Um, there are so many times when a lot of us really thought, like, is are we ever going to get Kesha music again? You know, is she ever going to make it back as a celebrity? Because when you are out of the limelight for, I think it was five years since she's made another, since she's produced music. Mm -hmm. um when you're out of the limelight for that long, it is hard to get it back. And um, I just, I'm really, really excited for this new phase of her. Um, this song is so triumphant, so beautiful, so good. Um, I am anxiously, anxiously um, anticipating the album release that's coming out in August. Me too. <sighs> Guys, this is such, I'm feeling like such a good emotional space right now. This is so good. I am feeling very good about taking this moment to just inhale and exhale. And for those listening with us, please do the same. And we're moving on. And we're moving on. <laughs> it doesn't feel good. Lucas can only handle so much emotional vulnerability. Yeah. <laughs> Lucas is like, can we talk about a movie with a lot of special effects, please? Um, all right. All right. Well, Without any further ado or emotional reflection, uh, let's start talking about Spider-Man Homecoming. Not quite a bug, not quite a man. How do I break out from the Spider-Man clan? I want to be proud, I don't want to hide. Don't trap me in a cup and put me outside with all those other Before we start talking about any um, spoilers or anything like that, this movie had a lot of things that it had to overcome. It was the third iteration of a Spider-Man that we have seen in the past 15 years. It was um, being marketed by Sony instead of by Marvel, so there was a different set of marketers going into it, and there was worry that it wasn't going to perform the same way and Tom Holland kind of an unknown quantity up until this point had a really strong cameo in Civil War but not a huge uh, movie star in US box offices so um, questions about that name being able to carry things through um, despite all that it has put forth an amazing domestic performance uh, from a box office perspective um, and we all got a chance to see it and I really want to know what you guys thought of it. So who wants to start us off? Sandra? Sure, I'll start. And I'll just say that um, I watch almost every Marvel movie that comes out. Um, I can't. I think I've seen all of the ones in the MCU, um, with the exception maybe of that like first Hulk movie that I don't count as part of the MCU. Um, the best one. I'm sorry you missed it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think I've seen them all. And um, 
I can easily say that Spider-Man Homecoming is, for me, the funniest movie to come out in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, I laughed my ass off during this movie. I was so thoroughly charmed by all of the characters, all of the hijinks. It was tonally so different from so many movies because we finally get to be with like teenagers and teenagers are fun and funny and um, lighthearted when they, when, when they want to be. And um, I love that this movie was taken down a bit in scale compared to so many other Marvel movies. Seriously. I mean, mm-hmm. literally the last Marvel movie this summer, um, the let's just say the stakes in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, I'm not going to spoil it, couldn't be more dire. Like on <laughs> a universal be, have higher stakes. level, the direst of stakes that could, you can ever <laughs> think of were in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And it was so refreshing. They, they may or may not have been guarding the entire galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> it was so refreshing to watch this movie and have there still be an impressive villain. You know, the villain, the, we were not lacking in a villain. Um, but for everything to make sense for the city that we're living in, or, or, the, or that the characters are living in, I should say. And, um, and it doesn't really get broader than that city. Um, and it, it was, it just felt so nice. And, um, Tom Holland is a star. He's gonna, he's gonna be so huge. He was incredible in this movie. Everyone was great. I had a super fun time with it. Awesome. I gotta say that guy's accent, killer. He nailed it. Yeah. He nailed Queens. Absolutely. I yeah. was, I was really, really, really surprised by how well he did on his accent work. Um, for those who don't know, he's from London and I gotta say for a, for a guy that young that I feel like that's extremely difficult to get your accent right on that. And I never saw a moment in that film where he, he wavered there. Um, I absolutely, sorry, Sandra, were you done? I, I, I just no, realized I, I started talking. No, and, I was. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really, really liked this movie. I think this is the first movie though that I've seen that I've realized is for, a generation below me like this is definitely a gen z movie mm-hmm. and i was okay with that like it was still great but as i was watching it the whole time i was like man this is this is young this is really skewing young i think the fact that they made it a high school movie is what makes this movie so great that they actually took the time to just say you know like hey we're gonna take a break from the ridiculous stakes that we've had in the past we're gonna take a break from um Avengers building and lets you sit with one character and lets you actually see everything from his point of view. We haven't had an actual point of view movie in a long time. And watching watching this character kind of grow and feel left out of the rest of the MCU, which is what kind of we're doing by watching this movie, felt real and it felt awesome because we got to take a break and we we still know everything else that that you know, that has happened and that is kind of out there um, along with him as the character. And yet he's kind of sidelined and having to live his high school life. And I loved it. I thought they, I think they did, they did a really great job of, with it. Have you guys seen John Watts um, previous movie cop car? No. Okay. Um, it's really good. It's a very small indie movie. He's one of the directors that kind of takes that, that huge leap, the white guy in baseball caps uh, group um, who, who, kind of go from a small indie movie to 
this massive franchise. And I'm always, I guess, skeptical of how much control they actually end up having over these movies because the movies do end up being pretty similar. Um, yeah, well, they're... And visually, I think this run. is. Like, special effects, like, B-unit direction, that kind of stuff is all very much MCU kind of stuff. Um, but the fact that he kind of has the idea to make a kid's movie, and by kid's movie, I mean a coming-of-age movie, I think is really great. And I think that's the biggest thing that he brought to this, which is extremely power- powerful here. Yeah, I completely agree. This is... To me, this is the... Uh, the best realization of Spider-Man that I've ever seen on screen, um, including, you know, television series that were based directly off the comic books. Like, this is, um, to me, the most wholly realized that I've ever seen this character and these characters come together. Um, and I, to your point, Lucas, I, I felt like this was kind of my generation. Maybe I'm kidding myself, but it felt like, uh, if we're you know using the labels that are out there, um, it felt like a movie for people who eat avocados toast instead of buying houses. Like it felt a little millennial. Um, it's just because in ways like it's diverse without bragging about it. Love interests are intellectual equals. It's just like it's not. But to me, that's that's Gen Z. Like like everything about it is Gen Z. And there's stuff that we like as millennials align with Gen Z, but you like watching kind of the way they talk, what they do, kind of their thoughts on high school. Like this is for high schoolers. I guess I just, but we can still like it. (laughs) No, no, I guess that's true. I just, a lot of times I think, no, you're probably right. Cause we weren't that, that way in high school really. Right. There was a lot of things about that, that I was like, oh, I'm there now at 28 years old. (laughs) Right. They're there at like 16. Okay. Okay. I get it. It's better now. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, I mean, I loved everyone's performance. I agree. Tom Holland is a huge star. Zendaya was incredible. Um, Michael Keaton did an amazing job. Um, I thought they used a great amount of Iron Man. Um, I also, one of the things that I loved about this movie, um, I think it's one of the best villains ever to be a part of the MCU. And I think it's because they took the time, they skipped the Spider-Man origin story um, and gave kind of the origin story character development beats to the villain, to the um, yep. vulture. And when I was seeing that and thinking about that, I couldn't help but think, why has every other Marvel sequel not done that? <laughs> like, that doesn't make sense. Once you get the origin story out of the way, you have that room to make the villains be able to breathe. And there's been so much universe building that they haven't done that. And that really was drawn into stark contrast by this movie because. You care about the villain. The villain has humanity. You understand their motivations. Um, it was just so good. I, I loved how emotionally grounded this movie was. The, as you said, the special effects and the tech and all the action sequences are very MCU. You know, Tony Stark made the suit, so there's all this like stuff that could be kind of sci-fi, but this felt like the most believable movie um, that the MCU has put out. Maybe since Iron Man won, um, to me, like, it just felt very grounded. All the people felt like real people. Um, I wanted to spend more time with all of them. The way that all of them acted and interacted made sense. Um, yeah, the scope was perfect. I just, everything about this is, is really good. And one of the things I particularly loved was how they handled, um, Peter Parker's, like, love interests. Um, 
I could talk about that more in spoilers, but the way that they did that compared to every other Marvel movie um, just was really, really impressive. They did a great job of making, like you said, look, it's kind of a coming-of-age movie that happened to involve superheroes. And it is. It's so funny. And Spider-Man should be funny. Spider-Man is supposed to be a hilarious, wisecracking kid, and it just all lines up so well. All of the dour, like, whenever they made a gritty reboot for Spider-Man, that tonally made no sense to me. There were moments in those um, <laughs> films where it was like, oh, that's kind of funny, or oh, that's, you know, the way a high schooler would act, and that was good, mm -hmm. but like, Overall, the tone just got really dark and gritty because it was gritty reboot. The time. Andrew Garfield ones gritty or the Sam? Yep. Those are, you yeah. don't think those are the gritty ones? Comparatively, yeah, the, they're way grittier than the other ones. I'm not saying they're super gritty, but they are way grittier than the, the Sam Raimi ones. Are the ones that are like bubblegum cheese, yeah. basically. Like there's some there's some really like serious moments in them, but yeah. And one another thing that this this movie avoids that because it doesn't talk about Uncle Ben. Like, we've seen the origin story for Spider-Man so many times that it's not, like, dealing directly with a theme of mortality. And that makes the movie's themes feel a lot lighter and, like, a lot more youthful and you're able to focus on, you know, these kids and being in high school and all that kind of stuff, which is... Yeah, because if, if you have Uncle Ben die, the movie automatically becomes about Uncle Ben and, like, living your life for Uncle Ben and great power becomes great responsibility and all that stuff. And you can't really deal with anything else. So by just completely taking it out, you get so much more room to work here. Yeah, and we assume that that is part of the story. Like, everyone knows that that is part of the story going into this, assumedly, but... Because it wasn't shown on screen, the tone of the movie doesn't have to reckon with it, which is great. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I freaking loved this movie. I saw Baby Driver and Spider-Man this past weekend, and I expected uh, Baby Driver to be as fun, if not more fun, than Spider-Man. And I walked out of Spider-Man like, well, that was the fun one. <laughs> um, Baby Driver <laughs> was a lot of fun, but it was just so intense. And this movie... Um, was not nearly as intense as other Marvel movies. It's like, it has serious moments, but it toes the line of its tone perfectly. It's just, it feels really real, really human. Yep. I would say that I had a blast. Um, it's not like, to me, the most impressive movie in the Marvel universe, um, but it is one of the ones I've had the most fun with. And my... Only, the only criticism that really comes to mind is that, um, like, the female characters are, like, I think, given very little to do in this movie. Um, you have amazing talents like Zendaya and Marissa Tomei, and um, they're, they're very much, like, on the sidelines. Um, so I'm really hoping that in a sequel to this movie both of those characters are built up in a lot uh, a lot bigger ways. I completely agree. One of the things about this movie that struck me was how amazing the supporting cast was. Like, every character, every, like, smaller role was great and, like, cast by really amazing actors. And I agree, it's a particular bummer that so many female actors were in that scenario. But the impression I got, or maybe this is wishful thinking, is that since the upcoming Spider-Man movies are also going to take place at high school, that all of these characters will get more fleshed out 
um, lives or characterizations as they go through. Because I wanted to see more of everybody. Yep. All the teachers were great. We got to find out what all of the amazing casting was, and most of it was for, like, teachers that were on screen for under three minutes. <laughs> and that's, that, that is one of the things that pissed me off, is just that, like, not, not that they did that, because I loved them all in their roles, but, like, you got Hannibal Burris in there, and he gets, like, maybe four lines. And he, they're all fantastic, but now you can't use Hannibal Burris as anybody else in the MCU, and you're just limiting you know, that great comedic personality to this little tiny character and knowing that knowing that we can't get to see him again doing anything else is kind of annoying for me. I can I feel I get you that. on that, Lucas, because like I every time anyone gets cast is uh, a role that any time an actor that I love gets cast in Marvel. Yeah, it's very much like I'm excited to see them. But also this is very limiting. Um, right. The only thing I right. can think of, when, especially when it comes to like these actors that are more comedians like Martin mm-hmm. Starr or Hannibal Burris yep. is that um I, I I don't have any evidence of this but I'm wondering if maybe they're not necessarily interested in like starring in a Marvel movie um true that's you know again a very narrow career path and so right. by you know doing a small part like this they get to still be a part of it without having to like you know, commit to nine movies or whatever the right, the crazy right. Marvel contracts are. Yeah. Right. But also but selfishly, the I getting... just want them to be their funny selves in all the movies. Sure. So. <laughs> right, but they may get like two or three more movies where they get to be a lot funnier in their role. I hope so. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, my fingers are crossed for that too. Um, so the last thing I wanted to say was if you're on the fence about whether or not to see this because you're tired of uh, Spider-Man 2, Too Many Spider-Men... Um, I would really recommend you still go see it. It's going it, to, my opinion, I think it'll surprise you with how much you like it. Um, I feel like they should have just waited for this. Like, I understand that the Andrew Garfield movies had to happen in order for them <laughs> to bottom out and Let give the stuff say, back to I'm so fucking sick of people acting like those movies were just, like, garbage. And I know you're not doing that right now, Lawson, but I think collectively as a nation we need to like give andrew garfield a break and give those movies a break yeah i am the first like if in every time that i say i didn't like those movies at all the second thing that i say is andrew garfield did a great job in them yeah but (laughs) here's the thing people really love to trash them and it's not like they were fantastic four okay they're they're just not No, are they great as these Marvel movies we love? No, they're not. But they're not like trashy, awful superhero movies. Here's what I will say in defense for the people that hate them. This I th- I feel like those movies were the first time that we got a white guy in a baseball hat directing up from an indie movie that we all loved. We all loved 100 Days of Summer, and we thought we were going to get a Spider-Man like 100 Days of Summer, and we absolutely did not. Yes, correct. 500 days of summer. <laughs> However many days of summer there were, that's how many Spider-Man we thought there were going to be. <laughs> right. And that we actually just got about 500 days of Spider-Man and then they fired him. So, I feel like I I feel like we that was when we realized how disappointed we were that studios can took so much control. So, I'm definitely not blaming it on Mark I wanted Webb. to say John Watts. Mark Webb. What's his name? Mark, Mark Webb. Webb. Mark Webb. I yeah. I'm definitely not blaming it on Mark Webb. I'm definitely not blaming it on Andrew Garfield. 
but I do think those movies were terrible. Yeah. So okay. basically, if we move past that point of contention, <laughs> I would say <laughs> I recommend this movie even if you think you're tired of Spider-Man movies. Do you think you have to see Captain America Civil War before this? Do you have to see I Spider-Man's took introduction? I don't think you do. This movie that hadn't seen Civil War. Um, okay. And she were totally had, fine with it. She had a great time with it. Um I did have to explain to her the stuff that happened in Civil War on the car ride home yeah. for the very beginning yeah. to make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but the movie... That's what I was thinking, because the beginning of this movie definitely kind of jumps you in feeling like you know what happened in, in Captain America right. Civil War. But the movie still made a lot of sense to her. Yeah. Um, and yep. she had a blast with it. So there, okay. there, there might be minor confusion, but not enough to like prohibit you from loving this movie. Cool. I have more questions about that. In spoilers. Okay. All right, well, let's move into spoilers starting now. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No, cracking gas. Spoilers. Remember, you wanted this. All right, my question about that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, had she seen Avengers? Yes, she had okay. seen. I think she okay. saw both Avengers. I know she saw the first one. Okay, because I'm curious. That is dedicated to the character of Thor and shows up whenever mm. Thor is in a movie. Whenever Thor shows up. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So she's had she's had a bit of a break. Yeah, she has. Um, so because I'm very curious to know how people feel about the very start of this movie when we're getting Michael Keaton um, basically dissecting um, the or not dissecting, but being Demolition Man on the. Um, events of the first Avengers movie. You just show up and there's these ridiculous alien dead dinosaur looking things that he's just kind of taking apart. I feel like that would make no sense to anyone who hadn't seen Avengers 1. Yeah, I agree. She had For seen sure. Avengers 1. And this is part of the conversation we had on the car ride home because I was explaining to her, um, she was asking, you know, is Spider-Man going to be in the next Avengers movie? And I said he was. Um, and I said, yeah, what... Is supposed to happen is that events in the next Avengers movie are supposed to set up what's going to happen in the Spider-Man sequel. Um, and she was kind of like, oh, so I got to start watching all of these now. And I was like, yeah, we've reached the point in Marvel where I really do think you've got to be watching all of them. Um, I think every now and then we get a movie like Ant-Man or we get a movie like Spider-Man that you can watch on its own because it is an origin story. But if you want to keep up with that specific franchise, the Spider-Man franchise or the Ant-Man franchise, um, you got to start keeping up with the whole universe. Correct. I feel like they used to do a little quick recap kind of at the beginning of what's been going on in the meantime, and they're past that now. We're done. It's your inner. You're not in, you're not in. Yeah. Well, we're almost to Infinity War, and like as soon as that happens, it's kind of a big reset button, and then I think it may start again. But at this point, they're like, no, we gotta gotta get there. We're doing all these things to get there. My hope is everybody gets murdered and we can all go home. Yeah, basically. My hope is that (laughs) Black Panther also lets you kind of jump in because I want that movie to expand to so many audiences that sure. couldn't have given a crap about the rest of the MCU. You're right. I, I feel like you're going to have to have seen um, Age of Ultron. You mean Civil War? Nope. I feel like you're going to have to have seen Age of Ultron to get, well, maybe not. 
Maybe, yeah, to De- get Andy probably, probably Civil War, but I bet they'll reintroduce Andy Serkis' character oh, from Ultron. Oh, I've already forgotten Andy Serkis' character from Ultron. <laughs> I seriously don't, yeah. like, uh, that's why I was so confused about you bringing up Ultron. It's because I don't even, oh, I yeah. still don't even remember who he was in that. He has four lines, one of which he says, Wakanda, and, like, <laughs> that's all that carries over. It's true. Yeah. Did you forget they, they actually go to Wakanda in that movie, right? Oh, I forgot that, too. I don't think so. Yeah, that, that's where Andy Serkis is, right? Uh, okay. Yeah, that movie is a little bit of a mess, <laughs> and it's... I forget a lot from that movie. But yeah. Anyway, um, Spider Man. Yeah, exactly. So Spider Man, I wanted to say because I wanted to see what you guys thought of it because I usually fall for these things. Uh, the twist, the Michael Keaton being the dad twist, I did not see coming for a second, oh. and I was so impressed by that. Yeah, me too. Okay, here's how it worked for me. They pull up in front of the house. Um, they talk about, you know, that I, the whole time I'm like, oh man, is Aunt May going to drive them? That's cause that's going to be awkward. And, and then he kind of gets out and she kind of pulls off and I was like, oh, so she's not driving it. Well, there he's 15. How are they getting there? I was like, oh, probably her dad's going to take him. I was like, oh, we haven't met her dad. I wonder who her, oh, that's when he's <gasps> oh no. <laughs> and so, and so like literally the second before the door opened is when I said, Oh my gosh, it's Michael Keaton. And I said it in the theater. I said it in the theater out loud. I was like, oh my gosh. And then he opened the door and it's Michael Keaton. <laughs> yeah. The moment oh, Michael Keaton opens the door, my instant thought is he's kidnapped Liz's family. Like, <laughs> he's found Spider Man and, and Liz's, Liz and her family are tied up in the basement. And and then he starts to speak, and then it clicked. Oh, no, he's bad. Uh, he opens the door, and he's like, yeah, I'm here to kill you, but I decided to wear a sensible button-up as opposed to my outfit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's indoors. He's in the house. <laughs> oh, man. No, I thought from that moment to the point in the car where he gets out of the car um, at the dance, that section with Michael Keaton is might be my favorite. I'll, I'll have to wait to get... Um, some time on it but right now that is my favorite section of any marvel movie of all time that right there is just amazing his interaction with michael keaton him knowing that he he is the uh, spider-man knowing that he is the vulture and the and michael keaton figuring out that that this kid in his backseat is spider-man that whole section is just brilliant yeah yeah that was really incredible i just i loved how he as a person they never like said there was never a newspaper headline that said like vultures seen in the skies or he, you know, like the other Spider-Man movies, you got like the green goblin with a giant green, like Halloween mask on. And it doesn't make sense that that's happening. Um, <laughs> that was in 2001 before any, that was like, you know, the original Spider-Man movie, which is in large part, a big reason why any of these movies can exist. So I'm not knocking mm-hmm. that, but I just loved how grounded this character was as a villain and like, doing they're like yeah it makes sense that you're a dad and that you have this nuanced story it was so good i had a hard time not rooting for him for a lot of this movie yeah Yeah. like i wanted him to do well like i wanted him to succeed and we didn't meet his family it's not like we knew who they were we just like as a person like knowing his little intro and everything like that i'm kind of like man i get you dude i get you you're on the ground here and nobody cares about you yeah yeah i mean it's it's great when marvel can give us a villain that they're not afraid to humanize. And um, also this is one of the few times in the Marvel universe where the villain gets a little bit of redemption at the end. Um, Yeah. And 
that that's very rarely the case. I think the only one I can think of is like Loki somewhat, Loki. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um that's that's who I keep having to compare this to. I think he's the best villain since Loki and I think they're I similar in a lot of ways yeah. which makes this work. I really loved the villain in Civil War mostly because I thought it was just so brilliantly handled. Um and so like sly um, but the villain himself wasn't like this amazing character. Um, Agreed. I, he was. I felt like he was more of a foil than an actual like villain. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <sighs> let's talk about uh, how funny Tom Holland is in this movie. Um, I love how well he plays a teenager. Um, yes. Yes. That opening sequence. That. Um, bit with the video camera and him doing a little video diary on his phone it's the best it could have been so cheesy and lame and it was totally saved i think by the charm of tom holland um yep 100 percent. him like making sound effect noises like when he's retelling the story and him Mm -hmm. kind of like uh, asking too many questions and being a little overeager, he played it so well that he really made that bit work work in the movie. Truly, truly, this is. I I, I was even surprised that it went on for as long as it did. Like I was like, yeah. oh, this is gonna be like a quick like thirty second thing, and it's it's a good chunk of that little intro. Like it's a, a I'd say it's at least a minute and a half, which is very long for like a video diary kind of found footage type situation that you're looking at, and. I, I I wasn't upset the entire time. He did a great job of kind of owning that. I wonder like how much of that they let him just kind of talk and like do, sure. um, or if every second of that was scripted. Yeah, I feel like Spider Man the name got the butts in the seats. But what made this movie soar is Tom Holland. Like he was so enthusiastic. He's been so amazing and enthusiastic in all the press that he's done for it. And he just sold every single moment of this character. Like, I didn't for a second think he was anything other than a, a teen from Queens. I just, mm-hmm. it, it's the small things that they do, like him rehearsing the lines that he's going to say whenever he pops into the party yes. is yes. so, I remember that kind of stuff. I remember thinking about going to a party with people who were above my social status in high school and being like, what do I even say? Rehearsing lines, talking through the way that you stand, not knowing what to do with his arms in certain scenarios. Just really showing him growing up in a world where there are these superheroes, where there are these archetypes, and then making him kind of an avatar for us or for somebody. It's just our world if there were superheroes in it. It doesn't feel like this aspirational, huge, godlike character. He's one of the the people who happens to be in a scenario now where he can do good things and try to act like a hero, and so he really is. He's acting like a hero. He's trying to figure out how he does hero <laughs> with yes. his life. All of these, like, true-to-life teenage characteristics that he shows off are so crucial to this movie because this movie chose to be about adolescence and the loss of adolescence and like the, the joy of adolescence. Um, and instead of being about, I mean, it is kind of about doing the right thing and being a hero and living in this world where superheroes exist. But the true like thing about this movie is 
are we ready? Are you ready to grow up or are you not ready yet? And, um, and, and why you shouldn't rush into that if, if you don't need to. And, um, I love, I love that that was the theme of this movie. I love that one of the first interactions we get with his best friend is about Legos because they're mm-hmm. right at that age where Legos like aren't, aren't really cool anymore, but they're still kind of fun and you don't know whether you should be playing with them or not. Um, I thought that was such a great detail to illustrate exactly where these guys were at in their maturity levels yeah. yep and the temptation Absolutely. to use spider-man as a party trick is so real yeah. <laughs> like i felt that like oh maybe this can jettison me into a better social standing and showing him struggling with that showing him struggling with um the decathlon whenever they're going to go down and all swim together like showing him looking in the skylight whenever he's thinking about you know this is a formative moment, a part of his childhood that he is consciously choosing to miss. I mean, I think they've done some say, like a little bit of uh, telling, not showing in previous movies about that. And I, I feel like I'm probably undercutting some of the great work that the previous Spider-Man movies have done. But I feel like this did a, such a good job of really showing like when you choose to be a superhero, especially when you choose to try and do that when you're a kid, there's real stuff that you give up. And there's these moments that are formative that you remember forever. You know, I, well, I I didn't have whenever I was in high school, like sneaking into a pool after hours. But that kind of stuff from high school is like the stuff that forms the montage of your high school memory. And he's choosing to do a different thing. That This also leads into, if y'all listen to our episode about Civil War, um, I went on a rant about... Um, not Spider-Man's inclusion in that movie because I thought it wasn't fun. I loved seeing him. But the character, the moral choice of the character of Tony Stark to bring yeah. in a child um, who we now know is 15 years old, this character, um, and like how questionable that is to like put a child in that kind of danger. Um, and this movie, I think, also like wrestles with that question. Um, and I don't think Tony Stark is a very lovable character in this movie, but I don't think it lets him off the hook of like his responsibility to like protect this kid, um, who mm-hmm. he's like, brought into this world. Um, yeah. and so I, I, I appreciated that. Um, I, I appreciated like that the ending was about him, like making this choice to stay a kid. Um, you know, I think so often, like the choice would be to become an Avenger. Like that's, if you're looking at like the basic of like overarching of this universe, Mm -hmm. everything's leading to becoming an Avenger and the Avengers doing all these things. And obviously we know that Spider-Man will be participating in the next Avengers movie, but I was glad that at least for a time, we know that this character is going back home. And spending time with friends and family. Yep. And it was a really big, it was a great psych out too for people who have read the comic books because yep. the big the reveal that Tony Stark does to like show him the suit is the Iron yeah. Spider suit and it looked so cool. And <laughs> yes, in it did. the comic books, that is like, there's this iconic scene where Spider-Man comes out to a press junket um, with Tony Stark and it's right after Tony Stark has given him the Iron Spider suit. And so 
like it, everything lines up to make it look like that's what he's going to do, especially if you have that kind of recognizable iconography from the comic books. And then it changes it, changes it for a loop. And I loved at the end whenever they revealed that Mary, that his uh, Aunt May knows who he is. Just like that Marvel's commitment to not having secret identities and seeing all the different ways that, that makes that universe uh, play out is so cool. It was a hilarious final scene, and it makes me really excited to see where that takes them in the future. Okay, so there are two like big character reveals for me that I think we have to discuss. Um, yeah, yeah. First, let's talk about Zendaya being Michelle slash MJ. Um, how do y'all feel about that? <laughs> you first, Lucas. <laughs> okay. Um, I I never suspected she was actually she was gonna be MJ because her, her name's Michelle. Um, and I don't like character wise, she's not the MJ that we know. Like, she's not gonna be that kind of character. Right. Um, I'm really curious to see kind of where they go with that. I think it could be good. Um, but I think saying she's MJ at the end, it didn't feel like cheap to me, but it was just kind of like, oh, you're just kind of using MJ as a, you know, a, a calling card because it's recognizable as opposed to just letting her kind of be her own character. I'm fine with it. It wasn't a big deal at all, but I was just kind of like, oh, okay. All right. I guess. Yeah. It was kind of like her at the end saying like, I'm Michelle, but my friends call me uh, future love interest for Spider-Man. Right. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> exactly. But, I love her character. She was so oh, yeah. great. She, I love that knowing that that's going to be what um, Peter Parker's love interest is in the future. This incredibly just like somebody who is aware of, I want to use the term she's woke, <laughs> like um, <laughs> talking about all the things in Washington, D.C. that the way she did, kind of not taking things seriously, but not being too sardonic, like just great fun intellectual equal could totally give peter parker a run for his money like that's the kind of character that it makes sense for someone like peter parker the genius that invented all this technology to fall for i think more than it makes sense for him to fall for um someone who is kind of portrayed as like a damsel in distress so much in the comic books so I, I'm really into that development. It's definitely a deviation, but I think it's an adaptation that makes the story better. Yeah, I'm very excited for her character. First of all, I thought this character was so fun in this movie. Um, I wish we could have gotten more of her. She, I loved how dry she was. I love um, the comedic bit of her just being everywhere, um, even places where she had no business being, is very <laughs> funny. Um, I love the look of this character. Um, very rarely do we get major female characters, and I put major in quotes for this movie, but um, main female characters to not have makeup on, to not have their hair styled perfectly, um, to not be wearing form-fitting dresses. Um, I'm very, very curious what they're going to do with her as a love interest. I'm excited. Um, I'm very hopeful uh, my concern is that in the sequel, we're going to get a makeover montage and, um, I am torn because I love makeover montages, but I don't want this character to go through one. Um, and 
I I really liked the reveal of I liked what it said was that look, this isn't Mary Jane. This is a different character. Don't have any of the expectations you had for Mary Jane to be on this character. But we are signaling that it's a love interest, and I'm okay with that because teenage movies should have love interests. They're so fun. And um I like having a whole movie with this character not being a love interest and a clue that there might be something more in later movies. That was fun for me. Um, the other big character reveal I wanted to talk about was Donald Glover's character. Mm. Have y'all read about like, or already knew about like the Easter eggs with this character? Yeah, I loved it. Okay. Well, oh, Austin, totally. can you explain it? Cause I think you understand it better than I, cause I've just read articles about it on the internet. Okay, so in Ultimate Spider-Man, which is an alternate universe... Comic book series. Um, comic book series, yes. Um, that's where the character Miles Morales plays, uh, becomes Spider-Man. And so... And who is Miles Morales? In that, Miles Morales is a half African-American, half Hispanic uh, kid, the same age as Peter Parker, um, who in this alternate universe is in the place where Peter Parker is instead of him. So he gets bitten by the spider... His, um, he gets all the powers of Spider-Man, and in this alternate universe, he is Spider-Man. And um, it's one of, the comic book is hailed because it feels like a lot more honest to New York um, and the way the makeup of uh, Queens is now. Um, but basically, Donald Glover in this movie plays because Miles Morales has the same arc, story arc, as Peter Parker, he plays Miles Morales' Uncle Ben. So he's the character who um, dies and who is the catalyst for Miles Morales' moral arc of choosing to uh, have great responsibility um, be how he handles his great power. So So, this character isn't named Uncle Ben. No, his name is, it's I'm trying to remember Aaron his name. Davis. Aaron Davis. So, so the Lyle Morales universe, he has an uncle named Aaron Davis who gets killed just like Uncle Ben does in the Peter Parker universe. Right. So how it's kind of, how it's explained is all these people exist in all these universes, but their stories and lives are different in each one. So even though Donald Glover's character is alive in this one, this universe, in a different universe, he dies, and his nephew, who he mentions briefly, is like, I got a nephew in this neighborhood, is Miles Morales, who becomes Spider-Man. So even though he didn't get to be Spider-Man, he is still directly tied to the character in this fun Easter egg way. He does play Miles Morales in the animated series Amazing Donald Spider-Man. Glover does. Or Ultimate Spider-Man, but Donald Glover That's does. That's true, yes. yeah, he's the voice. But this is another one of those situations where I was like, man, we're now we've now we've basically lost Donald Glover to be anybody else in the MCU. Okay, again, <laughs> I felt that um, most heavily. I there. don't think Donald Glover wants to be like he's he's in the new Han Solo. No. He, Donald Glover has his hands full. Right. He doesn't. Right. But again, selfishly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I I thought that was great. I would love to see M- Miles show up in this if we got like a two Spider Man deal, or if. Um, I don't want to go way out there, but if Tom Holland, or not if Tom Holland, if Peter Parker takes over the uh, Iron Man role, if Iron Man dies or moves on or something like that, and we get somebody else bringing in the Spider-Man bit, I would not be opposed to it. Yeah, or if in one of these crossover Avengers movies, 
Doctor Strange has some universe jumping and you get to see Miles Morales, even for a moment, I would still be so elated. So all of that was stuff that I wasn't aware of going into the movie. Um, and I just watched mm. that Donald Glover scene as if he was just a random side character that was great to watch because Donald Glover is great. Um, and then it was <laughs> afterwards when I found out about who Aaron Davis was and his connection to Miles Morales and the reference to Miles Morales very deftly in the movie. And my mind was blown, y'all. Like, oh, really? when I found out that he was his uncle and that he said the phrase, like, I have a nephew that lives in this neighborhood. Yeah. I was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so it really threw me for a fun loop, um, finding out all that afterwards. <laughs> and can I also just really quickly say about Don Glover, like, after reading that, it made so much more sense about his character. Because during the movie, I was yeah. kind of just like, of all the characters you could fill Donald Glover in in this movie, you have like, I know, right? random mm -hmm. criminal. Yeah. Like it just felt so strange <laughs> to me. And um, and then it, and then once you find out that Aaron Davis is like his uncle, but also deals with like you know small crime, um, it was like, oh, I'm so glad that there was a connection to be made, and not just like that was the random creative choice they made for Donald Glover. Random thing that really um surprised me and surprised and I was surprised at how excited I was by it was um seeing Gwyneth Paltrow pop up in this movie. Yes. Yeah. She hasn't been in a long well, time. They kind I know. Of wrote her out of the movies. And then they wrote her cuz she didn't want to be right, in them anymore. She was kind right, of done. Which I respected that choice. Um it, so it was surprising to see her right back in. Um and I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. I am not a big Gwyneth Paltrow fan, but I do like that character and that relationship between her and Tony Stark. Um, so to see yeah. that she was not only back, but back in a much more permanent way because it, there was an implied marriage right. proposal um, was, I, I thought, quite shocking. Yeah, it's yeah. exciting. I'm, I'm really pumped to see what happens with her in the future because I feel like they kind of... They they wrote around her, but I feel like it was kind of clunky how they've done it in the past couple of movies. Um, so I'm excited that they can kind of more deftly take care of, yeah. I guess, Iron Man's right. relationship. I'm hoping with that, that means but... they promised her some meaty material in the new Avengers movie. Yes. Yes. Yep. Agreed. Um, what did y'all think of <laughs> the Chris Pine cameos? No, not Chris Pine. Chris Evans. Sorry. Chris Evans, Kevin. Oh, man. You surprised me for a second. I was like, I missed all of those. What? <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Chris Evans cameos yes. that we got. I thought those were hilarious. I thought they were so true to life. Like, that's what you'd get if you were a teenager living living in that world. You would get little inspirational, whatever they're called, videos of Captain America doing stuff and just, like, saying things about high school. And that's something that he would do as a character is make these videos I, for high I, schools. I so love good. Trying yeah. to figure out like at what point in the storyline did Captain America did like um yeah did Captain America like decide to like what what downtime did he have to like decide to like go to so, a studio and film all of these uh, was it like right after so he woke I'm up get, was it <laughs> I know oh. the answer because I'm a nerd and it's the costume that is his very first captain america costume after he woke up that is the one he wears in avengers one so this was is probably prior to the events of new york 
which would mean before, like in between him waking up and Avengers 1. So, in a, but here's the thing. I, I'm going to challenge you on that. Just okay. Because, because, okay. So when he wakes up, do, mm-hmm. I'm wondering, do we, we, don't, we don't know how public of a figure he was between him waking up and then the events of Avengers 1. I mean, he crashes into the middle of Times Square. Yeah, yeah, people people, people know who, who he is. I mean, he's out running around in Washington, D.C. Everybody kind of knows him. He hasn't done anything big since he was... But remember, he, but remember um, at the beginning since he's of come out of the ice, one, but... He's, like, hiding away, right? He, like, doesn't want... Like, he's, like, punch, he's doing the punching bag. He doesn't want to be a part of it. Then he gets recruited for the team. That is that is a post credit sequence in one of the movies. I think movies. that's at the beginning of Avengers Thor. One. Post credit sequence, right? Maybe. I remember it as being in the first Avengers. Um, if only it could there have were fewer also been than twenty-two after, films to keep track of. I, I know, right? It could have been at, right after the events of that's Avengers what I'm One leaning as well. Because then yeah. he saved the world. But he has a different suit than he wears in Avengers, or not Avengers, in Captain right. America Two. So I'm. I'm I'm Winter Soldier. He saves the world as part of the Avengers, at in the events of Avengers One, and then before, um, the events of d- does Captain America Two come before or after Avengers Two? Before, uh, after Avengers One, before Avengers okay. Two. No, yes, after Avengers One, okay, before so Avengers before Two. Before he tackles and takes down Shield, he films some PSAs for high school students, um, and. I love to picture him like in some seedy LA studio. Um. <laughs> I can see that. My issue, coming back to costuming, is his suit gets trashed in Avengers One. That would mean they would have to make him the same suit, and then a couple months later decide to make him a whole brand new suit. Which I'm not saying didn't sure. happen. I'm just saying yeah. it's weird. Yeah. They could have made it like wardrobe. Like it's not a functioning suit. It's a costume right. suit for the, get on board with that. the video shoot. Because PSA. it's really Possibly. just like chest up, you know? It's really mostly the hat. It's one of those that's just all clothespins in right. the back. We're just we're just seeing the chest <laughs> right. up costume and the rest he's in like yeah. sweats. Yeah, well, I'll take that image. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, oh, okay. I love Hannibal Burris where he's like, I'm pretty sure this guy's a war criminal now. Like well, just whatever. All offhand I comments. Because really, <laughs> that's also how it would play out, is like you get this video once and you have to keep playing you know, it. Yeah. One detail that I appreciated and that I'm super nitpicking and calling out right now is during one of Peter Parker's classes, um, the perf- the teacher is talking about like the Sokovia Accords. Um, yep. And yeah. that's a really cool Easter egg. However, I'm very curious about like high school education using very current news as curriculum, you know? Um, I feel like <laughs> well, usually you don't really talk about current events in any high school class. I feel I like think... something as big as the Sokovia Accords would probably be something that they would have to talk Maybe about. Maybe Peter Parker just went to a much, um, I, I know he did go to a much fancier high school than did. I did. That's not a question. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. But and also it might have just come up and not actually have been the whole teaching fair. topic. Yeah. My... You're getting deep I know here. Are. This is pretty nits. Yeah. yeah. I would love to talk about things that we did not like about this film. Ooh, it's hard for me. Let me pull out my list then. Great. Okay, okay. great. Get us get first some off, thought starters. Let's end on a negative note. This is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a negative that turns into a positive. I was not a fan of the Iron Man's kind of rip-off Spider-Man suit. 
um, the fact that he had so many gadgets and so many things at his disposal, um, kind of starting off this film, I was really uncomfortable with. I was like, this is not Spider-Man. This is little Deus Ex Iron Machina. Man. Yeah. Um, and the fact that they use that in the film to kind of get him back to, like, be you. Don't try to be me. Like, don't try to grow up. Like, just do your thing. Be you. That I loved a ton. Um, but it did make me uncomfortable the amount of time that we spent um, at the beginning of this film with all of the gadgets and all of the things that he could do. Um, but I feel like they, they wrapped it up nicely. Yeah, I agree. I love that the final fight, he was all just his own talents. Exactly. Which comes to my second point that I didn't like the final fight. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like that, and the final fight of really any of these superhero movies gets clunky. Um, I loved that it wasn't as long, I think as some of the other final fights that happen. Um, it still felt too long to me, but I don't think in actual time it was as long as it could have been. Um, but just that whole mess, I feel like it was not, not Can not I great. say that I agree with you on that, Lucas? And that kind of feeds into my biggest complaint, other than the female characters not having much to do, which we already talked about. Oh, yeah? My biggest complaint for this movie is that we didn't get enough time spent at the homecoming dance. If you're going to call your movie Spider-Man Homecoming, <laughs> I want some great homecoming dance scenes, possibly a choreographed number. Um, and we didn't get anything <laughs> like that. We, he, we were, he was at that dance for like 30 seconds. And if we could have Correct. cut a minute or two off the fight scene and given him a few, a little bit of time at the dance, I would have appreciated it. I don't think you could have the scene that comes before it and then him go to a dance and See, actually I dance. I think you but, could. I think you could have like him trying, like him, him thinking to himself, look, I'm going to be a kid. I'm going to just do this dance. And then something snaps him out of it and realizes, no, I can't. I can't let this happen. And then he leaves the dance. Maybe, maybe. Tonally, I feel like it would have been a little bit weird, but I can totally see why you yeah. want the dance. I also want yeah. the dance too. I don't yeah. know where I would have put it in in they my view. They better make it but, up to us in the um, sequel. I need to see a prom. <laughs> I need to see. <laughs> yeah, the next one is Spider-Man uh, prom. They should call it Spider-Man prom if they know what they're fucking <laughs> doing. <laughs> Spider-Man get a whole prom, lot of dancing. Spider-Man like forty percent prom. Spider, here's what you do: Spider-Man winter formal. Spider-Man Prom. You have your, Ooh. your trilogy. Ooh. We have Captain America Winter Soldier, and we have Spider-Man Winter Formal. Which is yes. so good. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, someone hire me. <laughs> MJ is his Bucky Barnes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Ugh. Okay, anything you guys did not like? I'm not saying sure. it had to be terrible. That I'm was just one saying of, uh, honestly, that you had an issue Honestly, that's the only thing it. coming to mind was not yeah. enough homecoming, not enough from the women, but I had so much fun, so I'm I'm coming up. I'm not coming up with anything else. Yeah, yeah. Well, the great. closest thing I had to a complaint was all of the the gadgetry feeling like a little bit yeah like magic key for your yep. scenario. Um, yep. But it was so fun, and it like played to so much of his growth, like you were saying, and him not knowing what he was doing and figuring stuff out, and played to his character development. It wasn't just like a special effect because it looked cool. It served a purpose. Totally. So I was good with that. You know, I also totally. want to just say that most Marvel movies, I'm so excited to see, and I'm glad that I watched them. Um, very few have I, like, been mad that I watched. In fact, I can only think of one. Um, Thor of the Dark World. No, remember Doctor Strange. I hated Doctor Strange. Oh, yeah, I um, forgot. Have you, have you seen Thor yeah, of the Dark World? I have a problem with Thor of the Dark World. Jeez. 
Lucas, people are here for right. Thor. Like, there are people Ugh. who watch Thor only. Uh, yeah. Um, but I will say, usually, I'm not excited to re-watch Marvel movies, with the exception really being the last two Captain America movies. Those are both movies that I was really excited to re-watch. Um, the first Avengers mm-hmm. movie, I was really excited to re-watch. This is a movie I can't wait to re-watch. I am excited excited about getting another chance to see this movie true i don't know if i'll ever see dr strange again but i will see this movie so many times yeah that's ironic i don't know if it's been this way since i wanted to see the original iron man multiple times but since then i agree i've enjoyed every movie but the only two movies i've wanted to watch over again have been the ones with tom holland spider-man in them Civil War, I've watched three times, and I want to see this at least three times. It's just so I mean, good. I'm really crossing my fingers that this movie becomes really popular with current teenagers to the point where, like, I think of all the high school movies we watched when we were teens and how much they're stuck in my memory and whether they're good or bad, how, like, beloved they are. And I really hope that this becomes mm-hmm. one of those for today's teens. Yeah. Oh, that would be great. It would. Awesome. Well, any final thoughts before we wrap up? I think we're all on the same page. This movie's great. Yep. Go see it. Sounds good. Okay. Um, before we say bye, where can we find you guys online? You can find me on all social platforms at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. And you can find me on all social platforms at Lucas and Stuff. You can find me on just as many social platforms at Lawson West. Um, If you want to keep the conversation going, have any questions, ideas for future topics, anything like that, we'd love to hear from you. Um, So feel free to give us a shout on Twitter, at feelingitpod, an email at feelingitpod at gmail.com. You know, or leave us a review on iTunes. You know, very many people have chosen to do that, but if you did, um, it would mean a lot to us. So... Yeah, I think that's it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you more soon. Bye. Bye. Adios. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yeah. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 